an important speech for the IOC's most senior member. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Around the Rings Tokyo Report. I'm Ed Hula. Our podcast was produced as competition wrapped up Thursday night in Tokyo. Three days are left in these Tokyo Olympics. The top five in the medals table, the U.S. 91, China with 74, ROC at 58, Japan with 47, Australia has 41 overall medals. Karate, one of the five extra sports on the Tokyo program, is underway at the fabled Budokan venue in northern Japan. In Sapporo, the marathons and race walk are underway. Those events moved there two years ago to counter Tokyo's searing heat. Sapporo, which will play host, is remembered as the site of the 1972 Winter Games. City officials have hopes that the 2030 Winter Olympics might land there as well. That's one of the topics that we'll cover with our podcast guest, the doyen of the IOC, Richard Pound. In that role, Mr. Pound will deliver the customary remarks of the doyen that close each IOC session. He's preparing those comments for the session, which comes to a close Sunday morning in Tokyo. In a preview of his remarks, he says Tokyo organizers have done well against the challenges of the coronavirus and the one-year postponement? I, I, I think overall they can. Uh, I mean, in the sense that the, uh, the competitions uh, were as exciting as, uh, as always. The facilities that they built are, are fantastic. Um, it's a shame that their public health authorities took the, the, uh, the view that there should be no spectators whatsoever. That's, that's a disappointment, but uh, you know they're the ones that, with the responsibility for the, the health of the nation, and and that was their call. But um, uh, I think that uh, the television coverage has been uh, excellent as as always. I think uh, OBS and the and the major networks uh, have these sorts of things down to a pretty uh, a pretty cool science, and and uh, you know the the. The billions of people who experience the games uh, are able to do so the same way they would have uh, in, you know, quotation marks, uh, normal circumstances. Any, any surprises for what you've seen over the past few weeks here in Japan? Well, I, I think on the field of play, the the a bit of a surprise is how well Japanese athletes have done. They really rose to the occasion and and. Even though they, they didn't get the extra bounce from a from a hometown uh, or largely hometown uh, crowd, uh, they they performed very well, uh, and um, I, I think that has been a, a big help in in turning the the public opinion in Japan uh, from being essentially negative to being uh, as overwhelmingly positive about the games uh, as they've gone on. As far as the uh, countermeasures for the coronavirus, uh, uh, cumbersome, probably annoying, the uh, uh, testing and, and, and all of that, uh, it, it was the price that the IOC and others had to pay in order to go through with this, with this project. Uh, w- was there any other way? No, I, I think, and, and we were you know, very... Very early on in the in the scenario as it played out, we 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 acknowledged the uh, the 
the, the, the primacy of the public health authorities uh, in Japan. That's that, that's their responsibility and, and the steps they've taken to, to try and protect the Japanese people at large, as well as the, uh, the Olympic uh, uh, athletes and officials is, is, I mean, you, you can't really fault it. It's, it's, it's perhaps overkill to some degree and in security of that nature is always to some degree arbitrary. Uh, you know, anybody subject to security knows that. And, and, uh, but that, that was the price of going ahead with the, the games. And I think that that's a, uh, it's a not unreasonable price in, in, in the end. Uh, what about the, you know, the absence of spectators from the point of view that it makes organizing and carrying out the games uh, a lot easier when you don't have to worry about tens of thousands of people uh, parading through the uh, arenas and security checks and so forth. Well, I think if you ask any organizer of any Olympic Games, the, the, the thing that's the, the, the most troublesome and the most annoying for them uh, are the spectators. And, and if you could have uh, Olympic Games without spectators, you, you solve a whole bunch of security problems, a whole bunch of traffic problems, and, and, uh, and it probably costs you more to receive and, and care for your spectators than, than you get selling the tickets. So um, that, that's, that's an inconvenience for the organizers. And, and uh, for some athletes, I think they, they live off the, you know, the bounce from the crowd. Other athletes would be are just as happy not having uh, uh, screaming thousands of people um, while they're trying to uh, focus on their events. So, it, it to some degree is it's as broad as it is long. You were you were head of a commission in oh around two thousand early two thousands that looked at ways to make the game simpler, more manageable, more more sustainable. Uh, some of those recommendations have uh, come into effect, but uh, what do you think still needs to be done or could be done to uh, improve the uh, the efficiency, the operation of the Olympic Games. Well, I, I think a lot of the uh, the recommendations our commission made that were put into effect right away. I mean, as early as, as as Salt Lake, I think I think the commission was struck in Salt Lake, or maybe just before it, and, and we reported, I, I guess, in Prague the, the, the year afterwards. So they they were put in in place more likely for Athens than anything else. And I, it's it, basically it's a it's a it's more a frame of mind than a, than a series of uh, of steps. And what we found when we started the review of everything was that you you had a whole bunch of different silos within organizing committees. So so that you know marketing didn't talk with logistics, who uh, didn't talk with uh, the village uh, uh, folks, and and so forth. And you ended up. Uh, the, the the prime example that we used as an as just to illustrate the the, the problem was you get some small country saying look we we don't have the the, the possibility of going to training camps uh, in or around the Olympic city so if you could just open the village a week or ten days early uh, we'd have time to uh, become uh, acclimated 
And everybody says, oh, gee, well, that's, that's, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's do that without thinking what that means, which is you've got to activate the village. You've got to activate the, you know, the, the immigration and, and other services. You've got to get security in place. You've got to get the transport system. And all of a sudden, it, 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 instead of an idea that sounds good of having an, an extra hundred people in the village, it ends up costing you tens of millions of dollars. And then we said, you know, think about that when you when you do these things that, that sound nice uh, and, and taken alone are nice, but they have huge uh, knock-on effects that, that nobody's really thought of before. So one of the, the main recommendations was, you know, get, try and break down these silos so you know everybody in the organization knows what's going on and, and what the impact will be of... Uh, of, of something that seems like a good idea in one sector of the the operation, but <clears throat> and ends up being immensely uh, expensive. The postponement is lo- likely is going to lead to some hits to finances for the IOC for uh, other organizations that are, are part of the revenue stream from the Olympic Games. Uh, how serious will it be for the IOC in the next few years to to recover from from this from this hit, which is very unusual, not not customary for the IOC uh, following an Olympic Games. Well, we we certainly helped a lot of the um, international federations and, and NOCs prepare, and, and sort of funded them in the in that interim period of a year. Uh, in the sense of our own revenues, there, there's been a deferral, but but not a not necessarily an absolute loss, and and so I don't think it's going to be um, too hard to recover. And then you know we've been saving for the proverbial rainy day for a number of years, so there there, there was there was money available, and and if this wasn't a rainy day, I don't know what <laughs> what would qualify as one uh, a pandemic of this nature. So. It, uh, I, I think, in the sense of, of the financial impact of, of uh, the pandemic and so forth, uh, financially, the IOC is is uh, in good shape, and it's been able to help the, especially the international federations, who many of whom have come to depend uh, for their very existence on on the television revenues from the games. Uh, they got a prepayment on what they were. They were expecting, and and uh, and that'll sort itself out as the television revenues come in at the end of the games. But the sponsors who signed up for Tokyo uh, really don't have an opportunity to get you know go back and uh, get a get a make good on uh, their plans for activation and uh, special plans that they had for the Olympic Games. With the absence of sponsor uh, of, of of spectators, uh, you know, it just wasn't. It doesn't seem like it was a very favorable uh, uh, climate for the for the sponsors. But maybe even particularly for the national sponsors in, in Tokyo. Um, is there anything that can be done to, you know, make these sponsors whole? Um, well, if you divide them up, uh, Ed, I mean, you've got you've got the, the domestic sponsors and the international sponsors. Uh, the international sponsors uh, were affected 
only to some degree in in, in the entertainment portion of of uh, the, their packages in Tokyo, uh, which is not a huge percentage of the 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 costs of, of uh, a sponsorship. So I don't think they were too badly affected. In the case of, of national sponsors, I'm not sure what arrangements, if, if any, have been made uh, between the organizers and those sponsors in, in, in the sense of a, a make good or, or a, a reduction of the, uh, of, of the sponsorship uh, fees. But I mean, by and large, the uh, in in the, the lead up to and in, and during the games, there's an awful lot of um, value derived from the sponsorship, uh, even not for the national sponsors. So, uh, the, the the short answer is I don't know exactly what those would uh, would be, but I suspect they're not uh, they're not crippling, and I don't think that they dampen the enthusiasm for the Olympics generally. I mean, everybody understands this 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 pandemic is. <laughs> really unusual and it's not um, it, it's not nature's reflection of of hating the IOC or the Olympic Games or anything like that has this experience you think uh, perhaps uh, poison the appetite in Japan for a winter Olympics in 2030 Sapporo is one of the cities that had expressed an interest in uh, hosting these games and they're the Next ones to be uh, selected by the by the IOC. Is it uh, going to be difficult for the government of Japan to get behind a new Olympic game so soon after uh, the the Tokyo experience? Well, it, it may be. I mean, it, it, to some degree, that would depend on on the uh, the disposition of. Uh, of uh, the uh, the pandemic, there's another issue, of course, which is which is not so much domestic Japanese, but as international. You know, we've had three games in a row uh, in that part of the world, and it may be that there there you know there's more of an appetite to to go elsewhere than Asia at, at you know at, at this particular time. So. I, I don't know where that's going to play out. I know that there are a number of cities, including one in, in Canada, that are very interested in uh, pursuing 2030. So whether Sapporo would 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 be the right horse in the right race at the right time, uh, I think would be up in the air as, as we look at it uh, in August of uh, 2021. And finally... You're going to get to uh, deliver your your address to the IOC session when it has its last uh, last meeting on Sunday this weekend. Um, any observations that uh, you can share with us that uh, you're going to make about Tokyo, about the IOC moving forward? Well, it, it, it'll probably be, you know, the circumstances are such that it'll, it'll probably be a somewhat longer uh, address than you know the a two or three minute thing because we've we've come through some pretty extraordinary circumstances and 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 in a sense have been part of creating a miracle that many many people did not uh, think was going to be possible and I think we should sort of reflect on that a little bit and and uh, what that means for uh, the IOC what it means for the world to have persisted 
in uh, in supporting the the Japanese desire to postpone and, and reorganize. So um, I, I think I'll, I'll certainly reflect on that. But you know, we still got three or four days to go, and and uh, as, as Yogi said, it ain't over till the fat lady sings. <laughs> so uh, you, you have to keep uh, keep some of the, uh, the the space at the bottom of the page. Uh, blank so that uh, it can be filled in as may be necessary and hopefully hopefully there won't be any uh, addendums or serious or critical addendums needed no i th i think uh, you know, as, as you do it right now if if, if you know if, if you were the ioc session i would be saying this has been a a, a unique ride that uh, many people really thought was not going to happen. And there was a lot of uninformed uh, pessimism about the uh, the possibility of, of making it happen. But uh, and at, at one point, I mean, the, the, the polls, assuming you can believe the numbers, you, you had sort of 70% of Japanese against proceeding with the games. And that's entirely flipped now that the games have, uh, have uh, occurred and are occurring. And you got 73 or 75 percent very favorable about uh, the experience. So uh, I, I think that's a that's a reflection of, of the fact that people really do look forward to the Olympic Games. They do look forward to the, the competitions. They do look forward to athletes having a chance to, to showcase what they've done uh, over the years. And, and, you know, they've had some some difficult times as well as uh, as the japanese the, the the uncertainty and the inability to train in many uh, countries has been uh, has been very uh, upsetting I mean, hopefully it, it kind of balances out um, between various um, uh, countries but uh, there've been some great performances uh, probably fewer world records than you might have expected uh, had the games gone off as scheduled in in 2020, when when the, you know people were aiming for that, and there had been no pandemic to worry about. So, uh, but on balance, I think everyone has enjoyed the uh, the spectacle, has enjoyed watching the sport. It's uh, it's it's a it's a, a breather uh, in a tense international situation in the world. You you, you know you get a ba basically a month where you can, yeah, you know. Why can't it always be like this? And uh, um, and so I think we've done our part, and, and that would be a reflection that I would probably comment upon in in, in my remarks, uh, just to say that we helped uh, in the creation of this miracle, and and uh, we encouraged the Japanese to persist uh, in in going ahead. And in the end, what may have appeared to be impossible proved otherwise. Sounds like you feel that there would be big regrets if this hadn't taken place. Oh, enormous! I think it'd be not only regrets; there would it would turn pretty quickly into recrimination and 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 so forth. So I think the 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 combination of the, the Japanese authorities and, and and the Olympic movement and that unique cooperation that was was created. I mean. When you think about having to redo an entire international sport calendar 
over the space of two or three months, uh, you know, to, to accommodate games in calendar 2021, that's an enormous series of adjustments. And, and uh, all of the components of the Olympic movement uh, uh, really cooperated in that. And, and it was very well coordinated. We had the athletes, we had the NOCs, we had the IFs all sort of pulling in the same direction which made it made what could have been a very, very complicated mess. Um, a, a fairly smooth transition. Following the advice of Juan Antonio Samaranch for everybody to be rowing in the same boat. Yeah. Well, and, 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 and it took that. And, and, uh, you know, I think if you listen to, to Thomas Bach's speech at the, at the opening of the session, he said, look, we had no idea when we started this how difficult it was going to be. And, and he said, I, I have to tell you that there were times when uh, I wasn't, I, Thomas, was not sure whether this was going to be possible. But we, it's the, this kind of thing you, you, you can never mention out loud because it becomes, as he said, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So you just hang in there, keep your head down, keep working, focusing on the on the objective and uh you know you may have a finger crossed behind your back <laughs> that it'll all work out but uh you know if if you persist uh, it's amazing what you can do ioc member and doyen richard pound has been our guest on this edition of the tokyo report from around the rings come this weekend he'll be delivering the traditional speech from the doyen that's given at the close of each ioc session that IOC session in Tokyo closes Sunday morning. Mr. Pound also spoke this week with ATR Editor-in-Chief Sebastian Fest. Read that interview in which he calls for the end of the Youth Olympic Games. You can read it at AroundTheRings.com. I'm your host, Ed Hula. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Tokyo Report podcast. For nearly three decades, your best source of news about the Olympics is AroundTheRings.com.